or Pastor Tim, we want you to know we love you. And it's a wonderful, wonderful presence of God in this room. You have a wonderful, wonderful congregation. So thank you so much for allowing me to come. And I believe there's close to about 50 people that are watching and maybe they're watching with spouses. So there's another congregation happening online and we want to welcome you as well. We believe that God's going to touch you and minister by the power of his spirit. We had a great time yesterday during our sort of virtual kind of in-person uh, what's the word they're using now? Uh, hybrid, if you would. Marriage conference. It was absolutely incredible. Um, even with the individuals that were here, from the individuals that are online, uh, Pastor Gee, we're already getting great testimonies of God's goodness, of how he's ministering to families and husbands and wives watching together. And we so appreciate that. At the end of the sort of the prayer service, my wife and I have been uh, uh, doing a 21-day prayer and fasting. It's just like many of the churches are doing and people are doing. I encourage you, whether it's one day or 21 or 40, spend some time seeking God, especially in the beginning of the year, because God begins to speak and to talk to us as people. And uh, Pastor, thank you for praying for my wife and I at the end of the service. It was so powerful uh, as my wife and I are just kind of in this season of saying, God, we want to be used in a greater way. And so God, uh, last night, I, I literally, I, I couldn't sleep, but I woke up early, early, early this morning like Jesus was barely up. That's how early it was. And it was a word that was burning so deep in my heart because today is the last day of our 21-day Daniel fast. So um, I'm really hungry right now. But other than that, um, so I woke up with this huge burden, and it was like God was downloading information to me about what he wants to do in our marriage conference 2.0. And so we got a, I mean, it was absolutely like I was like in the throne room of heaven. And they were, he was like, just say this. I'm just writing it down. See, that's the wonderful thing about the presence of God. When people come into the presence of God, God wants to download some things in your hearts and some things in your life. So here's what I'm praying this morning. I'm praying that the enemy of confusion and the enemy of distraction will be removed so that we can tune in to what God wants to say to us this morning. I want to focus on a couple promises, and I'm, uh, the weather kind of messed some things up for, for tonight, so I'll just preach that whenever I get back. Is that okay? But um, I want to focus on the promise of God, and the promise I want to kind of uh, share with you, I, I know Guy was talking about it in worship, and I heard Pastor Carlos, you, you mentioned it. It's the promise of God that says, here's the word, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. If you're watching online, God is saying, I will never leave you. You know, we're going to pick up this story in just a moment from the book of Joshua. But I read in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, all of us are in this weird season where we got these silly masks. You know, I, I'm just tired of this stuff, you know what I mean? But it's all good. I believe that the gospel still can work in times like this. But I strongly believe that God is doing a new thing. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, watch what the word of God says. It should be on the overhead. Isaiah says, forget about the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That's where the enemy wants you to live. Even in your past successes. Watch what Paul said. Paul said, I forget what is behind me. I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. That it's even possible 
for even we're holding on to past victories, not realizing that God wants you to step into a new season of victories. Here's what Isaiah says. He says, forget about the former things. Do not dwell on them. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Notice he didn't say, I am doing a new thing. He says, do you see that I'm doing a new thing? Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? As we're picking up the story here in Joshua, Joshua was called to lead about, at that time, the scripture actually says about 603,000 men that were born over the age of 18 and over. So we know that there had to be millions of people that Joshua was now leading after Moses dies. Moses, for those of you not familiar with the scripture, Moses was called by God to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They were in Egypt for 40 years. They were not supposed to be in Egypt for 40 years. They, I'm, I'm sorry, going through the wilderness for 40 years, but God, they were in Egypt for 400 years, but now God was leading them out of Egypt, and it took them 40 years of dwelling in the wilderness for them to step into the new territory that God had for them. And at the very edge, as Moses kind of sees the land from a distance, I mean, literally, he's at the doorstep of a new thing. God says he's died. A new generation rise up, and now Joshua's called to lead these people. And I'm looking at this, and I love this, but a new generation died during the 40 years in the wilderness. A new generation that needed to experience God in a, in a whole new way. The people never been in this direction before. They were going to have to trust God like never before. I want to tell you that we've never been in this season before. Pastors right now, pastors and leaders in ministry, not forget the world right now, just pastors in general are stressing out in this season of why? Saying, God, first, where are you? What are you saying? And what do you want to do? So we covet your prayers. We've never done this before. Pastor Tim never led a church through a pandemic before. Give him a break. We're, we're seeking God together. We don't know unless God shows up, we remain in the dark. But by the power of God's spirit, I do not believe that we're called to just sit down and wait till this thing pass. But we are to continue to move forward as God leads his church. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, we pick up the story. God's speaking to Joshua, and he says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. If I'm Joshua, I'm saying we're going to cross the Jordan where are the boats? God said, I'm doing a new thing. And you're not going to know until you get there. Anybody have kids? You're going on a long trip? What do they want to know? Are we there yet? You'll know when we get there when we're there. I believe what God is saying to the church You'll know when you get there. Step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. He says, I'll never leave you. He says, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon, which is huge, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. I love verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you, Israel, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Verse 6. Here's what God says. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? I love this. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's powerful. You know, oftentimes in my life, whenever God is bringing transition my way, I don't know about you, I don't, I don't necessarily appreciate transition, change. Anybody like change? We don't like it. We love comfort. We love the things that we're used to. We love the same bowl of cereal for 30 years. I mean, we love, we love reading the same paper in the same spot with the, you know, we love just consistent. We don't like transition, but whenever God brings transition up to my wife and I, he always uses the scripture of not where he's leading us, but it's also this, be strong and courageous. I heard a preacher say this before, new levels, new devils. Be careful what you pray for. In this season in our lives, we must remember that this is important. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, God was making a huge statement to the people here in those 40 years of a, in the wilderness. Many of them were afraid. Many of them were weary. Some of them did not even want to leave. They said, oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Did they forget about how they were treated in Egypt? But they were fearful about moving out into what God had for them. Notice that the people of God, rather to suffer at the hands of the Egyptians because of fear of not knowing where they were going next. It's interesting that we rather stay enslaved under the enemy because it's familiar than rather move out into the plans that God has for us. Why is the promise of God so powerful today? First, when God says, I'll never leave you, he was saying, I won't leave you, I'll lead you. Look in verse 2. God told the people, get ready. Oftentimes we want God to move, but we're not ready. We find ourselves out of position. If we want God to move, we got to prepare ourselves for God to move. He said, get ready to cross the Jordan River in a land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. When I looked at this term, cross, if you want to experience God in a whole new way, you got to be willing to cross over into the things that God is calling you to cross over to. I'm a ball player. I, I'm not moving a lot right now because they, there's a camera on me and no one's behind that camera, so I'm being very faithful right now to that camera. Come on, somebody, but it's killing me right now. It's killing me right now. People are like, the screen is moving. No, it's just me right now. Um, but the cross, 
in basketball, I'm, I'm a ball player. I'm pretty good, Luke. I can, I, can, I can hold my own. I'm not hockey, but basketball. I'm not on the skates, on the floor. But when I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm driving, Luke, you may know this too because it translates into all sports. There come a moment in basketball where there's a defender in front of you and you're doing your best to get by the defender, but there comes a moment where you got to shift your momentum called the crossover and you got to be willing to go in a new direction. Why? Because the enemy studies you. He knows you. He, 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 he knows your pattern. He knows your ways. When God was saying, get ready to cross over, he was saying, I'm about to do something that the enemy don't know I'm about to do in your life. But you got to be willing to what? You got to be willing to shift and get into position that God is calling you to get into. He says, cross over. The Israelites in the past, they experienced God leading them. Do you remember the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Bible says that whenever it moved, they had to move. I think about our military families. They got to move every two, three years to a whole new place, a whole new area, whole new friends. And then as soon as they meet some cool friends that they like, they got to move again. Do you know like God was the originator of that? Can you imagine moving 600,000 people that are grumpy and don't want to move? Whenever you get too comfortable, God says, don't get too comfortable. This is not the place. This is just the waiting room. God can do great things in the waiting room of our lives. You're saying, God, when are you going to call me? He's saying, I have not called you yet because I still got you in the waiting room. That's where God begins to produce good things in your life. You see, whenever the cloud was lifted and the fire moved, Moses said, it's time to go. Don't get comfortable in settling down. So he told Joshua, get ready to come out of the waiting room. I'm about to do something that you've never seen before. I believe that God, too, is preparing hearts and lives of leaders and churches that say, you've never been this way before. Why? So you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to hold on to the promises of God. He's saying, you can't stay here. Everything will be different, but know that I am the God that leads you by my spirit. We're simply called to follow him. If God leads you to it, he'll bring you through it. If God is in it, that's all that matters because God is leading us. The God that leads us will also be not just the God that says, I will never forsake you, I'll never leave you. He says, I'm the God that leads you. Not only is he the God that leads you, but he's the God that blesses you. Blesses you. Does anybody need God's blessing? God, I need your blessing. I need your blessing in the place of obedience. God, don't bless what I'm doing. I want you to bless when I'm doing what you call me to do. One of the amazing promises of God not leaving you is that when you walk with God, he blesses his people, his children. In Joshua 1, 3, God's word says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. But notice what he says. As I promised Moses. If I'm Joshua, I'm like, I know Moses. 
Like, I was with Moses. That's like my brother from another mother, but we got the same father. You get what I'm saying? I, I, I witnessed Moses. I saw what you did through Moses. I went to every prayer meeting that Moses went through. I was there when he pitched the tent. I was there. Why are you reminding me of how faithful you've been to Moses? But when I'm looking, God, you are faithful. But Moses ain't here no more. Moses is dead. So as you was with Moses, so you say you will be with me. What this tells me is this, that the promises of God never dies. The promises of God outlive us from generation to generation. So that the God that spoke to Abraham is the God that speaks to us. So that although we change, God never changes. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will be faithful then and he'll be faithful now. God's promises doesn't have an expiration date. So when God speaks a promise to you, write it down. Because you don't know when God's going to come through. But if God said it, that settles it. Will we be faithful to say, God, bless your people? From time to time, the promise was, was given. But that promise spoken to Moses, that promise was been spoken even before Moses ever existed. That promise was first spoken to Abraham. You remember? In, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, this is before he named him Abraham, his covenant name. I'm calling you Abraham. Abram, I need you to go from your people, comfort zone, your father's household, comfort zone, to the land that I will show you. Here's what we do. Okay, God, I'll go. I promise you I'll go. Can you just show me first? God, I promise I'll do whatever, whatever you want me to do. But what is in it for me? God, can you show me like all the hills and the valleys that I'm going to go through in order to get there so that if I know, then I'll go. The reality is, if you really knew, you still wouldn't go. He says, Abraham, watch what he says in verse 2. He tells him to leave his comfort, but watch. He backs it up in verse number 2. Because none of us like leaving our comfort. If he stopped at verse 1, I'd have been like, I don't know if I want to leave. But then he says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. So you remain here and be mediocre, or you go with God and be a great man of God. He said, I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and the peoples and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See how many times God said, I'll bless you? God loves blessing his people. He's incredible at it. God knows how to bless his people. He said, I will bless you. In other words, watch what God said. He wants you to know that when he does bless you, who does the blessing come from? And the blessing that I'm talking about is not just the money in your pocket. Money comes and goes. I don't know about you. You can have my money. Just give me his peace. 
I'm thankful that God is keeping us even during this pandemic. God, I'm thankful that I'm, a, I'm, I'm above and not below. I'm thankful because I know I've still got work to do. I'm thankful. God blessed Abraham. Watch what he says. You'll be a blessing. Do you know the reason why God wants to bless you? So that you can be a blessing. If the blessing stops with you, it's not a blessing. But if the blessing goes through you, it's a blessing. You do know that the blessing that God was talking to Abraham about was the person of Jesus. That through your line, Abraham, is going to come the Messiah. Could you imagine if he would have remained in this comfort zone? The plan of God in his life would have been halted. God says, not only am I the God that leads you, not only am I the God that blesses you, but I'm also the God that protects you. Protects you. The God that blesses you is also the God that protects the blessing. Joshua 1.5, he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Do you know that Satan hates when God's people are blessed? Do you know Satan hates when the kingdom of God is moving forward? Do you know that Satan hates breakthrough? But too often we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. But in the midst of every battle, God says, I'll never leave you. God promises to be a shield around you. God's people were to take the promised land that was promised to them, but it did not come without a battle and resistance from the enemy. Every battle in your life is not there to destroy you. It is there to make you stronger. If you were to go to the gym and you go, you know, I'm going to get get in shape. This is it. 2021, I'm, I'm going. And you go for like three hours. You never go back, but you get the membership for a year. And you walk in that gym, you all, you're ready to go. You got the outfit on. You bought new sneakers, socks. I mean, you're in. You're all in. It's only going to last about three hours, though. But you're all in for those three hours. And you get in there, and you're like, I just want to get stronger. Help me to get stronger. You, you even sign up for all the classes that you never go to. And then you're looking like, you know, I need a personal trainer. How much is that? 200 an hour. I think I can do that. You get the person training, you, you get your person training, you go, hey, um, so what I want to do is tell me your goals. I just want to get a little stronger. I want to take this little thing off, this thing, like when I wave to people, it just goes like, I don't want it to do that. He goes, I got you, I got you, I got you. And then you go and you're like, but I, I don't want to do the work. I just want, can, can I just come up with like something to where the weight could just fall off and I could just, I'll be happy with that. We don't like to work for it. But let me tell you this, when you go to a gym, resistance is actually good for you because with resistance, you get stronger. Can I just appeal to the people of God today that sometimes resistance is only there to make you stronger? But the God that leads you says, I will never leave you. I'll protect you. I'll bless you. 
In Genesis 15, 1, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. God has been so good to my wife and I. These are one, your church is one of the first churches we came to when God called us out from being 18 years of pastoring in Newark. We didn't want to go anywhere. You're like, well, it's Newark. Yeah, I know, but that's home. And when you're in God's will, you feel like you're in God's bubble. So no matter where God calls you at, he's going to protect you. And if I die, so what? I die. I'm in heaven anyway. It's even better anyway. So we are there for 18 years. God called us out. He says, I want you to go, and you're going to speak all around different churches. And I said, well, there's no church on the calendar. Ha, it's funny. You want to use me. But there's no churches on the calendar. But I stepped into what God wanted me to do, and God provided. That's just how he does it. So we started providing. Not too long after that, we're trusting God. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I totally forgot. Like, how am I going to get to church to church? You know, I need a vehicle. That, that's smart, right? Like a vehicle, like a car. Well, I need a car, but we're just getting started. So, like, there's no money. It's going to take money. You do know that, right? It takes money to raise a family. It takes money to do your thing. That's why you go to work, right? I'm like, God, okay, this is hilarious. We need a car. Let's start with that. So we got this car, and it was a ministry car. And God blessed us with this ministry car. Gentleman called us up and says, we want to bless your ministry. I said, and I will receive this blessing. Brand new car. I'm thinking, God, how did you know? We get the car. It's awesome. I get a call during this pandemic. I get a call to go to the, uh, the Bronx. I go, the Bronx. I'm from Brooklyn. I go, the Brooklyn boys don't go to the Bronx. The only time I go to the Bronx is to watch the Yankees. I don't go to the Bronx. So I'm like, all right, we'll go to the Bronx. The only reason why I went to the Bronx because it was ministry, and it was for uh, my Indian congregation. You know how much I love India. So if it was not India, I probably wouldn't have went. But I said, you know what? I'm going. I get to the Bronx. The pastor called me and says, hey, pastor, before you get over here, do you want someone to pick you up? I said, no, I'm good. I don't need you to pick me up. I'm from Brooklyn. We don't, we don't, we don't, we, we, he said, well, you're not going to find a spot. I go, I'm going to find a spot. I'm from Brooklyn. So I'm like, don't worry about it. So I get, I get there. I couldn't find a spot. And I'm like, okay, this, this is not funny. I go, okay. So this is no joke. I start praying in the spirit. I said, Lord, I need, I need a parking spot. He provided a parking spot, but it was four blocks away. I was like, you know what? Don't argue. It's a spot. I got into that spot with my brand new car. I got in. I got out. I made sure everything was hidden. You, whatever. You're from the city. You got to know this. I put away everything. Cords, beepers, soundtrack. I put everything. CDs. Y'all like, what are those? I put everything away. I put everything. I hit my buzzer thing to make sure it was locked. I, I hit it like 15 times. Right? And you got to talk to yourself when you're out there because it's the Bronx, baby. So I'm out there like. I'll be back. I'm not talking to nobody. It's the Bronx. I'm talking to myself, you know. So I get to the church for the first night. So it was daylight when I got there. Then it was nighttime by the time I got out of the church. He goes, Pastor, would you like me to take you to the car? I went, I'm out from Brooklyn. I got this. I walk out of that church. It's like dark. I'm hearing sounds. If you'd have known how I smelled walking through the blocks of the Bronx, you'd have thought I wasn't a pastor. Let's put it that way. 
All I was praying the whole time was forgive if I got mugged. I didn't care about that. Just let my car be there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm praying, oh, God, please let my car be there. That was dumb. I shouldn't have did this. This is ridiculous. And my car was there. I was like, yeah, baby. God, you're so good. I got something to ride home in. It was great. I'm telling you my testimony. But the conference was two days. So I had to go back. And the pastor said, hey, do you want me to pick you up? I said, no, I can't punk out now. I'm like, no, I got it. I get to the church. I'm praying, oh, God, please provide a spot. There was a spot right in front of the church. I'm talking, I can step in the church like this. I was like, oh, God, there's a God in heaven. You're so good. I, you could, I know you got a lot of things going on up there, but if you could provide a spot, he did. I'm getting ready to worship the Lord. We're about to, you know, I'm about to start sweating and stuff and moving. I would have been moving, but the camera. And he said, Pastor, I need you to come out. Whenever the pastor says come out, that's not good in church. I walk out in my car. My car was, was jacked up. I'm like, do I have like a baby mama in the Bronx that I don't know about? I'm thinking all, I'm like, what in the, what in the world? I'm thinking what? I'm talking steering wheel. I'm thinking the pastors, all the pastors came out. They were just looking at the car. I was looking at the car. I was like, all right. They looked at me like, it's okay if you want to go. I said, go where? <laughs> oh, we're not going home. I said, we're going to preach. A car is a car. The gospel sets men free. Let's go and preach. So I'm preaching. I'm sweating. I'm just whatever. And then after I come from preaching, I get outside. Then, like, I come from the clouds, and then I got to deal with reality. And then the Holy Spirit said, call your wife. I was like, oh, that's right. I got a wife. I got a call right now. She's all the way in Jersey. I'm like, babe, my the car. I didn't even call the insurance first. I called the, my wife. I said, babe, I'm okay. I'm fine. My, the car's jacked up. She goes, what? She said, how much is that going to cost? I said, honey, I'm alive. Thank you very much. I'm doing well. They didn't strip me of anything. I'm fine. Thank you. I'm your husband. She, my wife's Puerto Rican, so. It's, <laughs> babe, I'll be home. I didn't even know if the car can work. I step into the car. I'm like, oh, God, just let the thing turn on. It turns on. My steering wheel is like this. I'm like, you know what? This is how everybody in New York drive anyway. I'm fine. I had no windows, no job. I'm two hours away. Before I stepped into the car, listen to how God works. A guy called the pastor. The pastor put him on the phone with me, and he said, hey, I have a shop. I heard what happened to you. I got this brand new shop, never opened before. We didn't even have the grand opening. And I'm, he said, Pastor? I said, yes. He said, bring your car to me. Don't worry about a dime. I'll take care of everything, and it will be better than it was even before. I said, okay, I'll do it. When I called my wife, I said, honey, don't worry about it. God took care of it. She says, okay, now you can come home. That's the, that's the after. God says, you may feel it, but I'll protect you. Jesus never promised an easy life. 
Jesus never promises that everything's going to be okay. But what Jesus did promise was, I'll be with you. The God, now listen, the God that is with you will always be greater than the thing you go through. The God that is with you will always be greater than the thing you go through. He's faithful. I don't know what you're going through right now. But God says, number four, I'll be with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. We have one that is greater than Moses with us. He intercedes for us. We don't know what to say and pray. God knows exactly what you need. He knows your address. And God is able to deliver the mail every single time. He's faithful. He said, I'll be with you. And then lastly, look at the keys, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate your ministry, by the way. It's a blessing. Blessing to the church. Every miracle will prove that God is the God that says, I'll never forsake you. I'll never forsake you. You're walking through a storm right now? God is the God over every storm in your life. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Verse 5, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. On your worst day, God says, I'll never leave you. In other words, when God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, God says, I will not abandon you. I will not desert you. I will not leave you. I will not quit on you. I will not depart from you. I will not leave you behind. I will not leave you high and dry. I'll not turn my back on you. I won't cast you aside. I won't give up on you. I won't reject you. I won't disown you. I'll never break up with you. I will not leave you stranded. I'll not cast you aside. I will not betray you. I'll never, ever run out on you. I won't walk out on you. I am who I am. I'm faithful. I'm true. I'm Lord. I'm God. I'm Savior. I'm healer. I'm, I, I'll be everything you need me to be, God says. I'll never leave you. Be encouraged, body of Christ. I know we're going through a storm. I know we don't know our way out. I know the God who does. And I choose to stand on his word. I stand to choose, I choose to stand on his promises. God, if you said you'll never leave me, that means you're always with me. And if you're always with me, God, that means no matter what I go through, I don't fear the outcome. Because I know you're with me. You may be sick in your body. You may have loved ones that have fallen away from God. Your finances may have gone in the tank because of this silly virus. God says, Abraham, I'll be your reward. Abraham, I'm all that you need, Abraham. On your worst day, on your best day, I'll be constant and true in your life. And Abraham, all I'm teaching you is this, walk with me. When you walk with me, Abraham, I will show you my glory. When you walk with me, Abraham, I'll show you time after time I'm faithful. Lord, Abraham, even in your wife's barren state, I will show you I'm the 
God that provides for you, Abraham. But Abraham, don't leave me, Abraham. Abraham, don't forsake your walk with God. Shrewsbury, don't leave God. Never left you. He's always with you. But he promises this. The God that leads you, he's the God that blesses you. He's the God that protects you. He's the God that is with you. He's the God that will never forsake you. He's God. Can we stand to our feet all over this house? You've been so wonderful. saying, Pastor Tim is probably saying, all we needed to do was put a camera on Pastor Jamel to make him stand still. That's all you needed to do. I'm usually burning like 500 calories right now. No worries. I love Pastor Tim. Right now, the altar is the room and the room is the altar. God is able to meet us right where we are. And I don't know about you. You could be going through a storm. You could be on the valley. You could be on the mountaintop. Wherever you are, God says, I'll be with you. I know for Pastor Tim, he's experiencing the God that says, I'll never leave you, Pastor Tim. I'm the God that's going to bring you through this. Through the pain, through the stress, through the sleepless nights. He says, Pastor Tim, I'm going to lead you. A pastor needs our prayers right now. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be faithful. The God that's faithful to him will be the God that's faithful to you. What is God saying to you? Where do you need God to come through at? We can trust him. Can we just lift up our hands? Come on, all over this house. It's you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus. Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Come on, make your spot an altar. What are you bringing to Jesus this morning? What are you bringing to Jesus this morning? Oh, come to Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on, we bring our needs to Jesus today. We bring our thoughts. We, we bring it to Jesus. Maybe God is speaking to you and saying he wants you to come back to him. Oh, May you give Jesus your heart today. If you're watching online, give Jesus your heart today. Give him your frustrations. Give him your pain. Give him areas of your life that are off. Say, oh God, I, I, I invite you in, Jesus.